Welcome to episode 49 of Imperial Hearts. Episode 51. Oh, I was thinking because it was the first. Oh, yeah. I was thinking because we have one more left until our anniversary. Yeah. 51 of Imperial Hearts. Mm-hmm. So we're just past 50. Next yeah. next week's going to be our year anniversary. Yeah. That's a lot of episodes. And we have this episode's going to be the closing of a lot of things. We're going to discuss the finale of Star Wars Rebels. We're mm-hmm. going to discuss the finale of the Aftermath trilogy. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of like the, kind of a nice bookend for our first year, I think. Mm. Yeah. It's cool. So uh, Imperial Hearts is a podcast about Star Wars, and I'm your host, Dana. I'm Jamie. And where do you want to start? You want to start with the news? Yeah, we have, uh, there were some Star Wars news this week, mostly um, movie news. Uh, some celebration stuff. Um, Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, did an interview this week. Uh, so he talked a lot about uh, their plans for Star Wars and talking about how they had Star Wars movies through to 2030. Um, yeah. That they were planning on making Star Wars movies up until then. Uh, another interesting note about that that you were talking about a couple weeks ago, which was that they confirmed that the later... Um, movies after episode 9 will not focus on legacy characters. Yeah, they're moving away from using legacy characters, mm-hmm. which I think is really smart, like kind of bringing in some of the, the newer characters and like phasing them through. Yeah, yeah. You want to see spinoff and, you know, we'll be maybe finished with all the spinoff movies for old trilogy characters and we'll get new characters they yeah i think we'll see like you know now that they've established like finn and poe and ray yeah um like those are we're kind of used to them now and then we'll start introducing like like they're doing it in rebels right now yeah we're like once you're used to a certain amount of characters and they'll introduce more Mm -hmm. and then they'll like they'll like branch off from those characters Mm -hmm. like so yeah they keep making more and we know that new characters are going to be introduced in episode eight yeah, we have new characters in episode 8. Yep. So there's going to be tons of new characters, um, and as the old characters sort of give way to the new ones. And I think... Really exciting. Like, by episode 12, like, Ray will be the old character. Yeah. And you'll have new ones, and that's the one you recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, he, uh, he also said that, or maybe it wasn't him, somebody said that we would be seeing three familiar planets in episode 8. That's interesting. And they are Mustafar... Oh, they said what they are. They did. They said oh. Mustafar, Tatooine, and Endor. Oh. Yeah, those are the rumors about the planets that we might see. Actually, I think they said... They might have said before the end of Episode Nine. Like, mm. in this in this trilogy, they might they might have said that. I okay, that sounds... Because that sounds, yeah. seeing Tatooine and Endor in Episode Eight yeah. would be a lot. So maybe some of those will be in Episode Nine. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's that's cool. You called going back to Mustafar in episode eight a couple weeks I ago. I feel like I feel like that was like the one thing that stuck out to me in Rogue One was mm-hmm. like that felt like it was seeding something for. I think we might even see like the tank that Vader was in. Like I think we'll see like something that was established in Rogue One will carry forward into. I think that would be super cool. 
I think it makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, it, then it feels like it's building on each other, right? Like mm-hmm. Rogue One is like the viewing order is like, you know, episode seven, then Rogue One, then episode yeah, eight. Yeah. It was like how we talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago, how like watching all this stuff as it comes out, building on itself is really interesting. Yeah. Even though it's like not next to each other in a timeline, mm-hmm. it's still like the release order makes sense yeah. for the the little... Easter eggs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so it's so surreal when you really think about the way that the web works, but yeah, it's kind of cool. So yeah, I thought you'd be interested in that. I think that's what makes it rewarding to to consume it as it comes out. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, so in toy news, toy news, the exclusive uh, celebration pops were announced, um, which include um, some characters that I. Lots of characters. Yeah, lots of characters. There was that gas mask, gas mask guy. Yeah, gas mask guy. There's like a Muftak or a character named Muftak. I think I, I don't know. I think Muftak is the species. Okay. Um. There's hooded Luke. Yeah. Which actually looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I won't buy it, but no. for a Luke, it's a pretty good Luke. Mm-hmm. There's Vest Leia. Yeah. Also known as Snow Leia. Or ES- Hoth Leia. A- ESB Leia. There's all kinds of... ESB? What's ESB? Uh, just Empire Strikes Back. Oh, mm-hmm. ESB. Yeah. It's like the ISB. Yeah. And uh, and Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand the Admiral Thrawn prop. Which we also called that. Yes. We were like, I bet he'll be a celebration exclusive. Yes. We haven't got him yet. We also found out that they have retailers... So um, Toys R Us will have him. Toys R Us will have Grand Admiral Thrawn, and ESB Leia is a Hot Topic exclusive. Oh, okay. So, well, so like both the good ones they're making widely available. Yeah, so we will be able to get both of those ones because they have Toys R Us and Hot Topic in Canada. I think those ones are the only ones I'll get. Yeah, me too. Because I want the Hoth Leia to go with my Hoth Han. Yeah. Did you notice that the um, Grand Admiral Thrawn is just a recolor of Grand Moff Tarkin? Yeah, I did notice yeah. that. But he's got uh, eyebrow. He's got the eyebrows, but that's it. Otherwise, he's the same. Pretty much uh, same mold. It looks same like. mold as Grand Moff Tarkin, which is fair. He might have a different rank on his. Yeah, because yeah. he's a Grand Admiral and not a Grand Moff. But yeah, yeah. Well, I still and want him. There's also the Greedo Mini Hikaris. Oh yeah, are you gonna get any of those? If I if I see them for a good price, I might pick some of them up because I think they look cute. They did look cute, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to get them. If I like see them somewhere for like good price, like on eBay or something, I might get them. Cool. I think at most I would pay like fifteen dollars for one, or it's like a two pack, right? Yeah. I pay like thirty dollars for the two pack. They're pretty cute. They're pretty cute looking. We should be getting our Smuggler's Bounty box by the next episode. Yeah, we and didn't get it this week. Yeah, we did get a spoiler that, um, I can't remember if we talked about this or not, that there is a Chopper Mini Hikari in the Rebels box. Yeah, yeah, I think we did talk about and that. And he comes in a bunch of different colors, and the black one is apparently the rare one. Yeah. Cool. So, we'll see what, we'll tell you what color we get. Um, there's actually one of the other cool ones was Ray on the Speeder. Oh, Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yeah, one of the, like, big ones. Yeah. It was, like, the... It was, like, the... I guess... I don't know if she's removable or not. If she, like, goes in it or if she's just on it. Is Han removable? No. Oh, okay. But some of the other vehicle... Like, there's a lot of pops that are, like, vehicle pops. Right. And you can take them out. 
cool. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Ray on her speeder. It's cool. It would be cute if they made up TIE Fighter one where you like put the TIE Fighter. Yeah. Pilot in the like top. Chibi TIE Fighter. Yeah. Chibi TIE Fighter would be cute. That would be super cute. There's so many Funko Pops now. I can't keep up with them. Yeah. Well, luckily we don't want to, I guess. No way. We yeah. just have like a narrow range of Funkos that we want. I still can't believe, well, they're, they'll probably have a wave two of Rogue One because we saw that, you know, they were doing concept art of a Bodhi. Might be like a mini wave yeah. where they'll have some of the more obscure characters. Yeah. And the few, well, the few ones that we need to get. Yeah. Bodhi Mon Mothma Galen. Mm-hmm. And then I think we'll get like a... Bail Organa would be really cool. Maybe a Bail Organa. And then maybe a... I think they'll have like a few of the weird background aliens. Yeah. Like they might have like a two tubes and they might have like a Gigoran. Yeah. Because they did that with like Force Awakens where they had like Sedonathano yeah. and like a random wolfman. <laughs> you know, like they had... Did they ever have Constable Zubio? No, Constable Zubio is not a pop, but there's Constable Zubio action figures. Nice. Lots of Zubio merchandise for you Zubio fans out there. <laughs> Constable Zubio. Constable Zubio is like the lost boy of uh, episode seven in the way that... Lost boy. <laughs> in the way that C2B5 is the lost boy of Rogue One. There's always a lost boy. Yeah. It's uh, the not... boy, the soft boy who gets left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> soft boy. <laughs> I don't know. I... Yeah, I know that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Soft boys are always getting cut from movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's some good, that's some strong toy news. Yeah. So that was, that was mostly it. People did a bunch of, you know, movie discussions because Celebration is coming up soon. So they started announcing, you know, the panel locations and mm. Ryan Johnson and Kathy Kennedy are going to be doing an episode eight panel. So mm. almost everybody is like theorizing that we're going to get some episode 8 footage at Celebration. Of course. Gotta get a trailer. Of course we're going to get something. Yeah. Maybe get like a sizzle. Yeah, sizzle reel. Just like we did last year. Stir fry reel. Sizzling, (laughs) sizzling beef reel. (laughs) That's what I think of when you say sizzle reel. Yeah, I know. It's like like a it's like when you go to like a restaurant and And like, you order the fajitas and they bring <laughs> they bring it in like yeah. In a pot that's like sizzling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll get maybe a sizzle and also a teaser. Yeah, see I wonder so last year at this time we thought that the Rogue One trailer would premiere at celebration. But it didn't. It didn't. As soon as the episode 8 trailer came out, or sorry, as soon as the episode 8, sorry, let me say that again. As soon as the Force Awakens DVD came out, yeah, the uh, Rogue One trailer dropped like a couple of days later. So it was like as soon as their right, you know, Force Awakens stuff. So the Rogue One DVD comes out on April 4th. That's so soon. It is soon. It's about yeah. a year after the force awakens so it's i guess hypothetically possible that we get a rogue one teaser trailer before celebration but there's got to be one by celebration you gotta see i think episode eight footage i think it's about time yeah yeah we'll see something Mm -hmm. we also learned today on from the internet i don't know what the source was on this one but that episode nine is coming out in the summer. 
summer 2019. That's what Why they would said. they do that? I don't know. I wonder if they like will the, end up pushing it back to Christmas. The merchandising game is so strong at Christmas that you got to wonder why they yeah. would even want to do that. Well, that's what I mean that that's when they originally said that uh episode 8 was going to come out. Oh, so they're and just going to push, push it back. It. That's probably what they'll do then. So I wonder yeah. if they'll just end up pushing it back cuz summer is a really big time for movies too. A big summer oh, blockbuster it? is like I just figure like Star Wars so much of it is based around merchandise that they mm-hmm. would they want to get back Christmas. Yeah, unless they were planning two movies that year. They hinted oh, that they might wow. like I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's true. They might plan two movies for that year. I don't know what the bigger... Uh, uh, un- or unless something else is coming out that year that they don't want to compete with. I don't know. Interesting. That they have planned. But it would be cool. Like maybe... when some. Um, I wonder when's uh, Infinity War supposed to come out? Um, Before that, probably. I think so. Thor's coming out this year. Thor... Thor, Doctor Strange, Hulk team-up movie. Mm. Um, and then after that, I think it's... I think if any war's coming out soon. Yeah, maybe in 2018? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, anyway, I won't be surprised if that gets pushed back. So, right. to yeah. Christmas. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So, what's our main... To- or do you have any more news? Nope. Our main topic for this week is crazy, batshit, crazy fan theories. Yes. And the weirdest ones we could find. Yeah. You've probably, uh, you know, if you've gotten into Star Wars Hell at all, or if you've listened <laughs> Star to Star Wars, Star Wars Hell. Yeah. Or if you've listened to this podcast for a lot, you probably have heard some um, of these. At least heard of them. You know, Ray is a Kenobi. Uh, those are, Jar Jar. those are your basics. Yeah, though. yeah. Um, There's a few that we yeah. heard this week, which are a little more... I think the main one that I want to talk about is Bigger Luke. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we want to talk about the Bigger Luke hypothesis. You sent me this this week, and it just like made me... I died. Okay, and so today in my research on Bigger Luke, I discovered that some people think it's a parody of Crazy Fan Theories. <laughs> But there's there's a whole wiki devoted to it, so if it is a, a satire... There's a whole wiki devoted to just Bigger Luke? Yes. Like, am... like an article or an entire Wikipedia? No, like a wiki, biggerluke.wiki.com. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm on it right now. Bigger um, Luke. So, uh, yeah. So, Bigger Luke is a hypothesis... I think Bigger Luke is the title of this podcast. <laughs> yes. So, Bigger Luke is a a theory that there's a slightly larger manifestation of Luke Skywalker <laughs> than than in other parts of the movie. But he's not that much bigger. No, he's he's not that much bigger. He's maybe, you know, like an inch taller. He's just a little bit bigger. And um I don't know if these people have heard of perspective. Yeah, well, so it's it's based on Okay, so let me quote a little from the wiki. It, oh, he's in contrast to regular Luke, by the way. That's right. the, it's bigger yeah, Luke are, and regular Luke. So are they two distinct beings? It's or an manifestation. Manifestations, yeah. Okay. So um, it's commonly abbreviated to BL or BGL. Bigger Luke. Bigger Luke. Okay. 
The appearance of Bigger Luke in a particular scene is generally, but not always, judged relative to the height of Han Solo, and as such, Han is the primary go-to frame of reference among Bigger Luke theorists. <laughs> because of this, quote, no Han picks, commonly abbreviated to NHP, are generally discouraged as it, as it is very difficult to determine Luke's height without Han Solo as a constant frame of reference. Whilst uncommon, the use of other Star Wars characters to judge Luke's height are not unheard of. The second most common character to judge if bigger Luke is in the scene or not has generally been Obi-Wan, followed closely by Princess Leia. The act of combing the original Star Wars trilogy for instances of bigger Luke is known as luking. <laughs> like, this feels this feels fake to me. I know. Like, so people, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's also very, like plausible that someone would actually come up with this. Yeah. Luke King is the funny. Yeah, yeah. sometimes uh, regular Luke is also called Luke Prime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like something and, we um, would too. you know, in the article then they have some reference where he's taller or shorter um, compared to Han a little bit. Right. Uh, okay. So, it is believed by supporters of the canon Luke hypothesis that Obi-Wan's line shortly after Luke first succeeds in blocking the training remote's shots, you've taken your first steps into a larger world, is evidence <laughs> is evidence of Obi-Wan's knowledge of there being a larger Luke Skywalker. Okay. Okay. All right. Um <laughs> I love this. <laughs> there has been some suggestion that the inclusion of the peculiar, peculiarly named character of Biggs Darklighter in the Star Wars canon <laughs> is a direct hint as to the existence of a slightly larger version right. of Luke Skywalker. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, for example, uh, they also a commonly held theory is that Princess Leia's... Uh, Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper comment is a thinly veiled acknowledgement of the existence of a size discrepancy between the different versions of Luke Skywalker. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it all makes sense. It does, yeah. So, um... It's all coming together. I feel like, yeah, it's so... It's it's a parody of itself. It's like Poe's Law, you know, where, where something... It's Poe's Law. It's like one of those internet laws where, like something becomes indistinguishable from sarcasm oh. like or from satire i was like thinking when... poe dameron oh yeah well it's very appropriate so it's like i have a actually i have a good poe dameron crazy theory after this yeah. yeah so that's the best one i um, think that's the best batshit crazy theory i think that's yeah. the most out there mm-hmm. it's... It, it's definitely more fun than like Han is force sensitive or Finn is force sensitive because those are just like plausible. Yeah, if it's too plausible, then it's not a fun theory. Yeah. It has to be like something that. Yeah. And of course, like the sort of classic new one is Darth Jar Jar with all the evidence to suggest that Jar Jar is actually a Sith Lord. And the evidence is equally convincing. Do you want to talk about Darth Jar Jar? Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about Darth Jar Jar before, but basically the theory is that. Not that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, but that when George Lucas originally filmed Episode 1, he was intending on having Jar Jar return in Episode 2 as a Sith Lord. Yeah. Like, it's not... Like, they they seeded, like, hints that he would be a secret Sith Lord. Whoa! That's true. It's like, your, your first part of the theory. 
Wait, what? The actor who voiced Jar Jar has revealed. Yeah, no, I heard. Oh, you read that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that there was a lot more to his character than initially meets the eye, but original plans for the character were shelved after the poor reaction to his antics. But he, the the original actor, never confirmed he was a Sith Lord. No, but he said there was going to be more to his character in the next movie. Yeah, but then they just chose not to focus on him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think that's plausible to me. He had like there's a lot of um you know, his like Palpatine and him are from the same place. Right. Palpatine puts him in the Senate as a Yeah. Like um kind of just to do what Palpatine wants him to do. Mm-hmm. Um he has yellow eyes. Right, right, yeah. And his his crazy um clown antics often result in like, you know, coincidental victories for him like yeah you know where he's sort of pretending to be a clown but he's secretly manipulating the force and yeah he makes a lot of broad hand gestures when addressing people right yeah he uses the uh jedi mind trick a lot they say yeah i mean the theory yeah i don't obviously i don't think it's canon Mm -hmm. but i think it's an interesting theory yeah um and i think like you know a lot of people have said also that He's the Yoda of, or the, you know, usually when you meet one of these characters in the original trilogy, it's like, you don't realize that Ben is a Jedi. Yeah. Until later. And then, like, Yoda is just a goofy comic relief character until mm-hmm. you find, like, like you know, in our heads, we know he's a Jedi. Yeah. But when you first meet him in that movie, if you hadn't seen that movie before, you probably wouldn't have expected him to be a Jedi. Yeah. And, like, we, we've known he was a Jedi since, like, before we could talk, you know, like it yeah, was just, before we'd seen those movies, yeah, probably. it was just yeah. infused into the culture. Everybody knows that. But when we went to see episode one, nobody had ever seen that before. It was the first time, so yeah. you don't know what Jar Jar Steel is going to be. But I think, yeah, like the evidence that he is sort of analogous to Yoda in mm-hmm. that, you know, where it's like a goofy character that you meet in a swamp, yeah, that turns out to actually be like a really ancient master, but is just like playing you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, pretty funny. That's the Darth Jar Jar theory. Yeah. Do you want to hear? Do you have another one, or do you want me to talk about the Poe Dameron theory? Talk about the Poe Dameron theory. I I don't again. This I don't think this is true, but I think okay. it's interesting. I think none of the theories we're going to talk about we think are true. Yes. Yeah. Except for Bigger Luke. Except for Big. <laughs> You've been converted. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this one is the theory is is that. Poe is a sleeper agent for the First Order. <gasps> so the theory is, is that when they capture Poe, mm-hmm. um, Kylo or someone, like, basically, like, hypnotizes him. Right. So that he's, like, he doesn't know he's an agent for the First oh, Order. No. But, like, you know, they give him a command and he, like, does something. Oh, no. So, like, they, and so, like, he, they let him get away, basically. Oh, and then they're planning on like activating I... him. Oh no! Whenever he's, that would be a tragic twist. Didn't you? Be... Um, did we ever talk about our theory? Like right after we saw Force Awakens, one of our theories was that Kylo Ren was a sleeper agent for the rebellion. Kylo Ren's not a sleeper agent. Well, he was sorry, a, a double, double agent. agent. Kylo Ren is a double agent. He's a Snape. Yeah, which is a common theory, mm-hmm. and I think could it's plausible. Yeah. I, I don't know, like... With... It, it's no bigger Luke, but No, it's, but uh, I, I think it's not that outlandish. But I also think that it's not a thing. I don't think it's a thing. I think they would have had uh, more evidence for that if that was a thing. 
Definitely. Yes. And um, we heard an interesting one. I don't really know what the evidence for this is other than it's interesting, um, which was that Snoke is a holocron. I like that one. Which is kind of a cool one. There's like so many different Snoke is theories. Yeah. The like, it's become a meme. Like your Snoke theory sucks is like a meme. Yeah. But um, Snoke being a holocron is kind of a cool one. I think it would be cool if he, if there was something around that, um, like the theatrics of it, like being like a Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah. You know, where he's, that hologram of him is kind of a... There is something related to why it's a hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Palpatine's also a giant hologram in, yeah. you know, Empire Strikes Back. And, True. But I think it would be interesting if it was something like that. I was also, like, when I was reading, so I was reading these these fan theories, and one of them um, is the, you know, Ray is a Palpatine theory. Which I think is plausible. Yeah. And, I was convinced of that for a while. And they have, like, the evidence is, like, re- really specific close readings of her lightsaber form. It's not um, that specific. She's the only one who fights like that, yeah. other than Palpatine. Palpatine and Ray have the same, the like, same lightsaber stance. Yeah. Um, so the, the Ray is a Palpatine, like, seated on Jakku, which, you know, is not implausible in concert she's, with the Aftermath books, in which Palpatine was putting... The theory that I've heard is not that she's seated on Jakku, but she was abandoned on Jakku. Oh, okay. So the theory... Or, we, yeah, we know she was abandoned on Jakku. The theory, the theory that I've heard is that Luke knows who she is, and that's why he won't train her. Whoa. Because she right. knows he's like, yeah. like she knows that, or he knows that she's Palpatine's daughter or granddaughter, and he's like, "Well, no, I'm not going to train her. There's too much anger in her. There's too, much, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like yeah. she's got too much of the dark side. Like yeah. it's a bad idea. Um, she has the same accent, mm-hmm. um, the same lightsaber form, and it creates this interest. A lot of people have said like it creates this interesting rhythm." Of, like, you know, Palpatine's the first, like, master, and he trains Vader, and then, like, now the Skywalkers are kind of the master, and then they're going to be training Palpatine. Right. And, like, having, you know, Palpatine starts out as the dark, and then the Skywalkers are the light. Yeah. And then it flips. Right. Um, Having this kind of, like, you know, like, dark and light Mm -hmm. side flipping thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's plausible. I actually do think it could be. I think it's... um, but the most likely Ray theory that I've heard, yeah, is nothing to do with Palpatine. Okay, and I think this is the more plausible one. Um, this is not a whacked out theory. This is like I think it's probably true. Mm-hmm. Is that in Star Wars the Chosen One is like the Avatar? Yeah, or the the Slayer, or the Slayer. Like there's one in every generation, and mm-hmm. it's like kind of an embodiment of the same person. Mm-hmm. It's more like the Avatar, like the Slayer's not right. the same person. But but they were all like, but but Anakin and Luke were alive at the same time. But Luke's not the chosen, I don't think Luke's the chosen one. Well, that was a big part of the last episode of Star Wars Rebels, where Obi-Wan and Maul discussed Luke being the chosen one. Well, Obi-Wan thinks that. Yeah. Anyway, so the, yeah. this, this theory states that, like, like this was a, someone said it was a leaked script. Oh, I think I told you about this a while ago. This was a leaked script, but I don't know if it's actually true. Right. Was that, like, Ray shows up, like, we start episode eight, Ray shows up and she says, like, she asks Luke if he's her father. 
uh-huh. and then and he's and then he's like no actually you're my oh, yeah 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 like, you're my father you're like an embodiment right. of my father so it's like this like reincarnation right. thing which i think would actually make the most sense if they plan on doing star wars saga films for 30 years mm. right yeah because it could still like be this, new characters this kind of like special chosen one yeah I mean, like, Luke, yeah, Luke's kind of a part of that, but I feel like he's not the chosen one in the same way that Anakin is. Hmm. Luke's not Hmm. OP in the same way that Anakin is. Yeah, or that Rey is. Yeah, like, Anakin from birth has, Hmm. like, all these abilities. He's just good at everything. Yeah. And so is Rey. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's the most plausible to me, is that, like, it's this kind of, like, the Force creates this, like... It's like a force bubble that re- yeah. resurfaces every 60 years. Makes sense. I don't know. I think it makes sense. I think that's... I'm right. putting my bets on that. Okay. Putting your chips on Raise the Chosen One. Not so, necessarily... Yeah. yeah like, it's a like, good one. Like a chosen one in not the same way that Luke is, but mm-hmm. a chosen one in like the force embodied in a human. Like a Jesus. Right. Or, like, you know, like there's a lot of examples of this in yeah. the mythology, right? Like the human with the... Mm-hmm. Like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, the Dalai Lama, you know, like there's a lot of um, religions where that's a yeah. thing. So yeah. I think that's my, I think that would flip the script too. Hmm. So just putting it out there. Yeah. Less crazy Star Wars fan theory. Because then you don't, like the the nice thing about that is it's a nice solution to the problem of who are Ray's parents. Yeah. Because then it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it still matters that like she's still, yeah. she's still important and she's still related to the Skywalkers. She's which... still related to the Skywalkers, yeah. but it doesn't have to be genetically. Yeah. I liked uh, somebody posted this week where they were like, that lightsaber, it was Luke's and his father's before him. And now it calls to you, random girl who has no connection to the Skywalkers whatsoever. You know, where like, <laughs> it just... Um, yeah. Uh Ray being literally no one with no connection to the Skywalkers just doesn't have the, you know... It doesn't have quite the punch that you want it to have. Especially because they keep calling it the Skywalker saga. Exactly. So... I think it has to be one of those two. Palpatine or... I know you're laughing, you're grinning when I say Palpatine. I know, I, I like... It seems funny, but I get, like, I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, like... Even though, but lightsaber can't lightsaber forms aren't canon, so I I don't know. Oh well, yeah. I'm just that's a yeah. I'm I, I think see it's, it. I think it's not as likely, but I yeah. I think it's a possibility. Just from a writing perspective, mm-hmm. like I they're not going to do something obvious, so they have to do the thing that makes sense, but you wouldn't think of. Yeah. So I think. I think that the like reincarnated chosen one thing is the most likely and the yeah. most like um like often star wars is modeled in mythology mm-hmm. so i think that would make the most sense um to make it give it that mythic quality mm-hmm. or like you know like ray and kylo are two halves of the chosen one which got split somehow <laughs> And then they yeah. have, and they have to like reunite in order to create to like bring that balance of the force. They have to like work together. Like for the first time, like it gets put into two people, and they have to like, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the other possibility. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that might be a good place to end for our 
crazy theory corner. Yeah, crazy theory corner. It's like uh, with a lot of K's. Yeah, Cra- yeah. Crazy, crazy theory corner. Crazy theory to- corner. Yeah, crazy th- KTK. Um. All right, so now we're getting into some deep spoiler territory. Yeah. We haven't done that in a while. No, we haven't. Um, so that was our spoiler horn. So we're going to be talking about Rebels for the next, the finale of Rebels mm-hmm. for the next 15 minutes. And then the 15 minutes after that, we're going to be talking about the finale um, of Aftermath series. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to hear about that, then then that's that's it for you. Yeah. So. All right. Well, Rebels season three finale zero hour. What did you think of it? Uh, I. I mean, I think I held my breath the whole time. Like, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I thought. Uh, we could lose any given number of cast members. I agree. When yeah. we when we first started watching it, and Kanan and Ezra were having that heartfelt moment. Yeah, Kanan and Ezra had a really we were like sh- serious heart to heart about like how great of a teacher he was, and I really it yeah. really felt like they were gonna kill Kanan. Yeah, because they only do that sort of thing. But maybe it was like a red herring or a misdirect. Yeah. Um, so basically, in. Uh, in case you haven't watched the episode, but you're interested in hearing about it anyway, um, Thrawn captures Callus right at the top of the episode. Like, yeah, right at the beginning. And uh, intercepts his transmission, so he finds out where the rebel fleet is being amassed, so that he intercepts them. And uh, their ships put out gravity wells so that the rebel fleet can't jump back into hyperspace. So he's going to destroy what's... Uh, there of the rebel fleet and wreck the base on Adalon. And uh, Ezra, they have to break the blockade so Ezra can get through and call for help from the rest of the rebellion. And uh, then they have to survive until he can come back with help. Yeah. And a lot of exciting things happen, like that right at the beginning of the episode um, when Thrawn catches Callus trying to send a transmission as Fulcrum. He, they have a big fist fight, you know, like a big like yeah. hand-to-hand combat. I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think it was an interesting it was an interesting fight to have in Rebels because usually we're we're fighting with swords or we're fighting with guns. Mm-hmm. Where when you're beating each other up with your fists, it yeah. feels really visceral. Yeah. Like it felt really brutal. Mm-hmm. Um which I thought was cool. Um it felt really scary and yeah, like, like I, I was ready for him to throw Callus off that balcony. Yeah, Callus' whole fate was so up in the air. It was so unexpected when he lived at the end, and he's on the ship with them. Yeah, so then Callus. Do you want to just give a summary of the episode right now, or? Yeah. Um. So it's a two two episodes, two parter, an yeah. hour long. Um, Ezra gets out of the blockade, but Mon Mothma has no more troops to send. And so she'll try to negotiate for good treatment of the prisoners, but that's all she can do. So he can't go back empty-handed, so he goes off to recruit Sabine um, to see if he can get her and some of the Mandalorians to come for help. 
and uh, disable the interdictor cruiser that is projecting the gravity wells so that they can all escape. So while he's doing that, um, Kanan is trying to recruit the Bendu uh, to help uh, fight off the Empire, and the Bendu is not really having any of it. And he's angry at Kanan for having disrupted uh, his quiet, peaceful world, and for being arrogant, and for trying to you know, draw him into his petty struggles, but Kanan tries to convince him that there's something worth fighting for and please help my friends. And uh, and then while he's doing that, Hera is trying to keep Phoenix Squadron and the rest of the Rebel fleet alive, hold off the Empire, and there's uh, a lot of parallel survive. Yeah. yeah. And Callus loses his fight against Thrawn, and Thrawn beats him up, and then he gets captured by Death Troopers, and they take him back to the Chimera to watch the Rebel fleet get destroyed. Yeah. Um, so, overall, I, I was thinking it didn't quite have the... It didn't have the, like... It was good, mm-hmm. but I feel like it didn't have the twist I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting some sort of uh, twist... Um, in the middle of it or near the end of it. I guess the twist was that Callus survived and is their friend now. Yeah, I think the Bendu was supposed to be one of the twists. Like, how are, right. how are the rebels going to get out of this? Because Thrawn eventually comes to them and it's looking pretty dicey for the rebels. And we know they survived, so how do they do it? And then the Bendu um, sort of manifests as this uh, planet-wide storm. And ends up destroying almost everything. In order I like to what get they did with the, I like what they did with the Bendu, mm-hmm. where Kanan was thinking of him as a good guy. Yeah, but he's really not. He's like a force of nature. Yeah, he was. He kept he saying, "Like the I'm f- the one in the middle." Yeah, he's Kanan like, Kanan, you don't understand. Yeah, I'm not light side. I'm yeah, literally serve the force, and I'm not a human. Like I, yeah, I yeah. will. Like he, yeah, he's a force of nature. He endures. Long before and long after yeah. a human's lifespan, so he just doesn't have the same sort of sense of scale of a human, so he had no interest in this uh, Empire versus Rebels business. But, like, what Kanan did was he just made him really mad, and then yeah. he tried to kill everybody. Yeah, so, including Kanan. Including Kanan, which yeah. worked out, I guess. Yeah. But Kanan escaped, so. I thought it was a cool, I thought it was a cool end for that character. I, and then he had a he had a showdown with uh, Thrawn at the end. Yeah, where he told Thrawn he um, had seen his had foreseen his defeat, and uh, Thrawn so, was shook. Um, the way he said it was interesting. Mm-hmm. He said it like many arms, enclosing you from the darkness or something. Yeah, like uh, enfolding you in a cold embrace. I wonder if that's gonna come up. Yeah, and. Uh, Thrawn was pretty shaken up by it, and he tried to kill the Bendu, but the Bendu disappeared, all force-like, yeah, and laughed yeah. at him. So he's not afraid of the guns. Cl- classic force move. Yeah, and yeah, Callus got away on an escape pod when they tried to airlock him, and the ghost picked him up. And we, we were watching it, and we were like, so like we were both like, oh shit, is he gonna die? Is he? Yeah. We kept expecting him to die, but he just. He kept surviving. He kept surviving at every turn. And I was like, it was a, like disbelief. Yeah. 
And like, yeah, they, and then he's standing around with all the rebels at the end, and they're like, welcome to the team, and he's like, thanks. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, you're just, you actually joined the rebels? Like, like I wanted, but never thought I was going to get? Yeah, it's what we wanted, but, yeah. but never thought we would get. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with Callus's character in season four. Mm-hmm. If he'll be like the replacement for Sabine on the team. Yeah, or if he'll go back, like, with General Dodonna and stay on Yavin 4 and be, like, a... Maybe, yeah. That's like, possible, too, I guess. He's an intelligence officer, so he could end up staying on the base and doing, like, it that was, kind of stuff. It was interesting, like you said, that, that at the end, they had that moment between him and Kanan instead of him and Zeb. Yeah, they had... The... I feel like that was, like... I feel like they didn't want to throw a bone to the shippers. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you did have Zeb react. To yeah. Ca- he was, like, callous. Yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah. like, reacting. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I feel like they didn't want to have that scene because they're like, well, we can't make this too gay. This is Disney. Yeah. Um. So, so they had a bro moment between Callus and Kanan. Which yeah. Which was, like, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. whatever. But I'm, can, like, I bet we'll get some callous Zeb stuff in season four, right? We've got to. They've got to talk, at least. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to at least exchange words. Yeah. I mean, they even had that, like, um, that painting that Sabine did on the wall of her room of Callus and Zeb hugging. Like, this is a thing in this show that is, like... Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's not as romantic as we might be imagining, but it's... They it's, have a bond. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so it was surprising that they didn't address that in, in the show, but... I feel it was strategic. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They were like, we can't... It's like... We can't have gay characters in Star Wars, especially if one of them's a furry. <laughs> yeah. We're well, pushing two agendas here. Well, is it, it's like, maybe they could go the, like, Steven Universe route, and they'd be like, it's not gay because they're aliens. <laughs> I don't right? think that's going to hold up in, I don't think that's going to hold up in it's, just Disney HQ. Yeah, it's not gay because Zeb is an alien. Yeah. So. Zeno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, um... I, I was just so surprised. Like, I obviously, I didn't want him to die. And I was really worried that he was going to die. Are you going to go look up fan fiction tonight to see if all the scenes people are going to write? It's too soon. People won't have done anything good yet. Okay. Um, Give it a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, now they're on the ship together. Now Callus is on the team. Yeah, weird, and right? He, he got His model got changed when he got beat up. They gave him, like... A black eye, and they mussed up his hair, and they gave yeah, him like super a, hot. a split lip. Yeah, it was a good look. It was a good look for him. Gotta say, so beaten up and slightly ruffled is. I think yeah. it makes everyone look a little bit hotter. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was an exciting episode. I they killed Commander Sato. Commander Sato. Yeah. Um, did a suicide a run. Not unexpected. Yeah. And and he took down Admiral Constantine. Who... I was surprised that we didn't get like a shot of like his was it his kid or his nephew? Oh yeah, in in the YT twenty four hundred. Yeah, or twenty whichever the the, yeah, the dash render ship the twenty four. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. Like, you know, being sad about his uncle, or maybe that's why they didn't have him in there, because it would have been too brutal. Yeah, he wasn't in that episode at all. Yeah, we haven't seen the Iron Squadron in a while, but they theoretically joined the Rebellion, I think, yeah. right? 
But, uh, yeah, I thought we would lose more characters. We didn't lose almost... We yeah, lose Commander, Commander Sato. Sato. That's about and, it. And then on the uh, Empire side, we lost Constantine, who was the worst. So was the who worst. cares? Yeah. As soon as... So they started... Um, you know, they had the fleet battle, and they introduced General Dodonna, who's in the movies, and in Rogue One. And uh, then I was like, hmm... Commander Sato is not in any of these movies. Yeah, exactly. I was like, mm, I don't think he's going to make it, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a funny, it's like, it's a funny medium like that, Star Wars, because y- there is like that sort of metagaming when you're thinking like, well, of like... Well, Wedge is in Force Awakens, so he's probably actually Wedge didn't die. I know. Well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But... Um, Talk about that in a second. Yeah, so you have, like, you know, we were like, oh, no, Hera. And then we're like, oh, wait, no. Hera was in Rogue One, so. Yeah, we were, she's good. We, we were both worried about Hera, and yeah. then we remembered she was in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like the characters who aren't in the movies are, feel like fair game. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's always interesting what they choose to do and, and not do with them. But yeah, we kept the whole main cast and added Callus to it. So. And we are got confirmation that we're going to go to Yavin for mm-hmm. that's, next, next season. That's where they were headed to at the end of the episode. Which I think that's kind of what I, I was thinking before, mm-hmm. was that Yavin 4 is not a big reveal, because we know they're going there. Yeah. So, like, I think you just open the first scene of the next season, they're already there. Yeah, totally. They're setting up the base or whatever. Or it's, I mean, it, it kind of sounded like they were rendezvousing there. It oh, sounded like... Okay. Like the base, the base was already, was already there. Yeah. So, Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So they, I'm sure there'll be another little time jump. So, yeah. So like it'll probably be is, a yeah. couple of months later at least. Enough for everyone to get new haircuts. Yeah, exactly. Calistev is, is like rebel outfit. I wonder if Callus will shave his, his, uh, oh, his mutton chops. I don't know. And like, what will he do with his hair? Yeah. Because like... I bet they'll have some. He'll look different. I was just thinking about his hair, and when we saw his he'll hair all like out. ruffled, I was like, I had you know, when you look at his hair, you have an awareness that it's swept back. But I didn't quite get that that it was swept back. Yeah, but then until... when when it was like sort of fallen in front of his face, you're like, his his hair is actually surprisingly long. It's just all he might grow it out. It's all pushed back, so he'll have like side shave and and have it on one side, <laughs> like a nice queer cut and <laughs> season four. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we can hope. Yeah, so yeah, I I mean I'm excited about that. His voice actor wasn't confirmed for season four, but I wondered, like. We thought either that was a red herring where they didn't want that to be a spoiler because Maul's voice actor was confirmed for season four and yeah. Maul died at the end of the last episode. So, yeah. Um, so who knows what that means or yeah, if anything could happen. Yeah. I expect he's not going to be on the main team. I think we might see him like AP5. He might stay on the base. He might be. I'd be surprised if he what, was main cast. What I think is interesting is like if you look at. If you look at most of season three, we just watched season three, mm-hmm. the main cast is like 12 people. Yeah. You know, like there's some episodes with Rex, but like he's only there every fourth episode. True. Zeb's only there every third episode. Yeah, Kanan was gone a Kanan's lot of season go- Yeah, I feel like they're jumping around a lot on who the main cast is. So I think the same could be true of Callus. Like yeah. we'll see him as much as we see Rex. Yeah. You know, like there's some missions where we'll want him there. 
which I I like that format. Yeah. It's like four different characters who we haven't seen together mm-hmm. and like see what their dynamic is. Like you have a episode with like Callus and Chopper and yeah. Zeb and Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like I think that's a cool format mm-hmm. now that you have all these or like you had that episode with yeah, AP5 and Chopper and Wedge. Yeah, and yeah, just like, yeah. Like, just these interesting mashups of characters. I like how we saw almost every character in the, these two episodes. Yeah, we had a little shot of everyone. Yeah, we even had Hobby. Hobby and Wedge. We didn't have Dutch Vander. No, we didn't have Dutch Vander. Um, He's more of a cameo, though. He's not really a part of the cast, I yeah. don't think. But there was, there was a Wedge yeah. cameo. There was one of the members of the only other named member of Gold Squadron who survived... The one who couldn't fly. Oh yeah, she died in this episode. Yeah, that's why it's all white men in. Yeah, in the movie, <laughs> Gold Squadron was so diverse. And, yeah, and then and they killed a bunch of them. They killed them all. So now it's just more Dutch Vanders. Yeah, and then they had that um that like Lothal rebel farmer guy with the funny helmet. Yeah, he was in this episode too. Mon um, Mothma appeared by hologram. All the major players were in this episode, mm-hmm. who we've seen. Yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah, so season four. Um, I think new major villain going to be revealed at, like, we're going to have an, I'm hoping they'll have another, like, Thrawn moment. God, that was so good. Where they'll have a trailer and it's like, this is the new threat. Of, yeah. You know what I was also realizing? Vader hasn't been in this season at all. I was all. just thinking about that yesterday. How, how he's Vader been wasn't in season recovering three. from his encounter with Ahsoka last yeah. season. So I think like this season they're gonna ha- I gotta have some other like the hook for this season was Thrawn, yeah, and then to a lesser degree Maul, yeah. And Ezra has short hair now, yeah. Those were the like mostly Thrawn, yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping that there's some Rogue One crossover in season four. Krennic, oh, there will be Cassian K two. Probably Saw again. We'll probably Saw. see more Saw. Yeah, because yeah, Saw didn't get sort of resolved in yeah, this season. I think we'll have more yeah. Saw. But I, I'm waiting for what. I hope they have like another interesting hook, like they did with like Thrawn as the mm-hmm. villain, because Thrawn will continue to be the villain. I'm assuming. Yeah. Assuming, but it would be cool if they have another like reveal, like this season. There's this other. Dr. Afra, yeah. isn't it? Or, like, you know, like, someone who, like, the, or, the fans know? Yeah. But yeah. That would actually be really cool. But Dr. Afra hasn't met anyone else yet, no, so... No, I don't think she'd be in this season. No. But, you know, someone like that? Yeah. They'll have, like, a... Or, like, something else from Legends gets brought back. There's yeah. gotta be some, like... Yeah, like, I wonder... Like, they've like, resolved a lot of the plots yeah, already. like, Thrawn finds Isalamari in in this no season. No fucking no. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's, like, Mary Jade that's gonna stay Legends. But something like that, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, they gotta have some kind of a hook to entice you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder... Um, I was wondering, too, like, uh, because... So we're getting the Thrawn novel in about two weeks... I wonder if that will tie in at all. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, you know how they do that release date thing? So they're like, okay, yeah. now we know Rebels Season 3 is over, so we can tie into Rebels Season 4 in the Thrawn book, because it's Thrawn's backstory. So there could be something from that that comes up in Season 4. Can we, like, transition now into our book talk? Yeah. All right. So, because what I'm about to say is a 
it ties into what we're talking about, but mm-hmm. it's a spoiler for the book. Yep. Okay. Okay, so final spoiler blast. <laughs> so that's the spoiler horn. Blast door is closed, so yep. you can't go back now. Okay. So um, so what if the Thrawn, the Thrawn book mm-hmm. deals with the outer unknown regions? Which is what the ending of Aftermath leads us to. Yeah. So, like, and then that's what our threat comes from the outer regions or the unknown regions in Rebels Season 4. Hmm. That's definitely possible. Like, we we establish a new threat that's in the... Yeah. That's, like, outside our galaxy that we have to deal with. Because that's... And Thrawn knows about it. Yeah, because that was confirmed in... in, the Thrawn book, that excerpt that we yeah, read. Yeah, that's, that's where he's from. That's where he's from, and that's what he's bringing back to Palpatine, is there's this threat in the Unknown Regions, and I need your help, and I'll yeah. give you my help in exchange for it. I think that's what everything's pointing to right now. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't trust that Aftermath is really... that ending. In, the ending of Aftermath, I felt like that was going somewhere, but because it's Aftermath, like I don't know if it's actually going to be relevant. I thought it was just going to the First Order. I th- exactly. I was yeah. like, the First Order is going to form itself in the Outer Regions. Yeah. But it would be cool. Because that's canon where they are. Yeah, that's yeah. canon where they are. So, like, that's where, you know, there's maybe that's what we, we start going outside our established galaxy. Mm. And we do that in the Thrawn book. We do that in Rebels Season 4. Yeah. And maybe we we have a bit of that come into the story in Episode 8. Yeah. Starting to venture outside of our galaxy. Um. That would be cool. That would be cool. That would make sense. Like, I, I think it's I feel like something that's, like that. I feel like they eventually have to go outside the established galaxy. Yeah. Um, so that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So do you want to talk about the finale of the rest of the finale of Aftermath? Yeah. So um, it was you. You said this today when, when we got together that it wasn't uh you know it wasn't anything surprising it follows there was no twists yeah it follows comfortably from the arc of the rest of the book yeah exactly. I, th- I thought it was um a satisfying ending agreed so basically in the last quarter we have a lot of it focused on the battle of jakku so we actually see the battle play out um both in the fleet battle and the ground battle and then we see um what Keep going. I have one thing that really stuck out to me about that. I was going to say Rax, just Rax trying to fulfill Palpatine's wishes for him. Ray, Sloane, and Nora, and Brenton trying to stop him. Pretty much what we expected. Uh, yeah. And yeah, well, okay, so what was the thing that stuck out with the fleet battle? It was weird for me that Rax was the commander of all the forces, in of the, all, the whole Empire forces in this book. Yet we never hear about Rax and Lost Stars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we never... When we have the Battle of Jakku scenes in mm-hmm. Lost... I want to read Lost Stars again. Yeah. Because I feel like Lost Stars might not hook up as well. Yeah, because those were, those were written in total isolation. Exactly. Like, in Lost Stars, by the Battle of Jakku, you still get the sense that the Empire has a command structure. Mm-hmm. Where in... The end of Aftermath, the Empire's gone completely, like, feral. But that was more like, 
Like, because Rand, because I think Grand Moff Rand is a character in Lost Stars. Oh, okay. He, he was, the, co- he was cool. like the fleet commander. Right. So he was commanding the Star Destroyers. Yeah. And they weren't totally broken down in the way that the ground forces were. Because I think right. I remember, because I was thinking about that too. And then it was like, I actually think I remember Grand Moff Rand from It's just another from excuse Lost to reread Lost Stars. True. So it was yeah the ground forces are totally feral right and like but maybe the ones in the, the sky are, yeah. are still still think everything's okay yeah that's possible. Uh, what was your favorite favorite moment? Oh man, so yeah, there was like it was all the denouement. Reading it in quarters was kind of cool because you get agreed. Like, yeah, um, I really like our new format. You know, have the, you have the intro, and then you have the sort of two middle sections, and then the last bit is all climax and denouement. And I you're love like, it. Mm, all the best parts of all the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, For sure. So, um, you know, we get uh, Han and Leia have a baby. We get. Um, a whole the the politics plot that was kind of draggy resolved in an assassination attempt on Mon Mothma, and uh, Sinjir, um, almost like taking down the guy who orchestrated it, but not killing him because he's different now. Um, I I really liked that whole the way the Mon Mothma thing played out. Yeah, because there was genuine. I was genuinely like, I didn't know if she was alive or not because she's not alive. Well, she's alive in Bloodline, so I, I knew she, oh, she made it. Oh, okay. I, I hadn't thought about Bloodline. Because I was like, shit, is this where Mon Mothma dies? Yeah. But then, yeah. Yeah. She doesn't it die. Was, yeah, it was, it was scary. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was a cool... And then Mon Mothma's, you know, Sinjir is for sure in with both feet now. That yeah. He wants yeah. to help protect Mon Mothma and... He uh, you know, settles down with Condor on Chandrilla to administer the New Republic, and yeah. um, uh, what else happened? Um, oh yeah, uh, Nora Wexley and Snap and Wedge open a flight school. I like that. Yeah, I thought that was that was the whole the whole plot with Nora and. Um, first, I want to circle back to what you said about the baby. Oh I, yeah, I had something to say about that, but I, I, I don't want to forget. Okay, I like the way they narrated that. Like they narrated it. Um, they didn't say the details of what Kylo was like. Yeah. So that nothing is really established, but mm-hmm. they had a bunch of rumors. Yeah. Like the child was born with a shock of black hair. Yeah. Or like they had all these like rumors around Kylo, but yeah. they didn't actually establish anything. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I thought was cool. Anyway, so back to the whoops, back to the Nora and Brenton stuff. Yeah, I liked the whole way they wrapped up the Nora Brenton Sloan. Mm-hmm. Me too. S- snap like that. That whole like I think that was the best way to to wrap everything up, and mm-hmm. everyone was allowed to be happy except for Brenton, who died. Brenton had to die. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because then. Nora can get together with Wedge. Yes. <laughs> if Brenton didn't die, it would be really awkward. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I knew Brenton was going to die. Yeah. Brenton was already kind of... He was like he was already kind of dead in a way. Mm-hmm. But he was just finishing up 
his unfinished business yeah so that he could move move on to death and um i really lo- like we got the nora wexley race loan team up that yeah we, that we were we expecting wanted. yeah um, yeah and it you know it worked out you go from like i hate you and i don't want to work with you but fine i'll work with you to like the grudging respect you know they save each other and they both go off and yeah uh, I thought it was a good ending. Was good. So yeah, Nora and Wedge go off to. So I mean, hypothetically, they could still be alive on their planet, yeah, doing their thing. Yeah. Um, no, uh, we were expecting Nora to die. Mm-hmm. And Nora didn't die. Wedge didn't die. Yeah. Mister Bones died. Mister Bones did die. That was pretty sad. It was sad. I feel like we got a lot of really good stuff with Mr. Bones in this episode, though. Yeah, so. Mr. Bones was is a great character. and Yeah, he had a lot of good moments in this book. Yeah, he, he saved a bunch of them. And Jazz came back, and she's, like, on Dengar. Like, Dengar's part of her crew now. And... Ja- the end of Jazz's story was, like, really sad. Oh, with Chom? Yeah, it was, like, unexpectedly really sad. Yeah, because yeah. Jazz finds out that Jom goes to Jakku to try and like help like save her and he, and he dies. dies. Oh, and they have like footage of it and he's like it's really he, he, sad. he rescued a bunch of the other like pathfinders and yeah, it was a I I had a lot of tear moments in yeah. the last bit of this book. Definitely. Um, even the fleet battle like um one of the things that really stuck out to me was how affecting the fleet battle was the battle of Jakku itself was um sort of personal in a way that a lot of the other fleet battles have not been like any of the stuff that they had in you know uh Tarkin or whatever like some of the stuff is boring it's it's often really boring yeah but um this one felt um it was affecting. Well, it was because it was like X-Wing. You have characters. Yeah. It, was it wasn't about ships. It was about the characters yeah. guiding those ships. Yeah. And sacrificing themselves and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I, I think that really swings around to sort of something that we haven't really touched on about the Aftermath trilogy in general. Because I, I remember not talking about this in, in the first episode. But it's something that I liked the most about these books. And that was, they're about the real villain being the war. I know, Dana gave me a roll of rise, even though I haven't actually said that for like six months. Um, but. Yeah, no, you're right. They have right. a lot of Imperial characters, a lot of rebel characters, a lot of civilian characters. And it's, it's about the aftermath of this terrible civil war and about how the damage that that inflicted on all of the people involved, including yep. people like Sloane and Rax and... But um, also people like Dengar. You yeah. You know, people who are like... Or like other pirate characters. Yeah. yeah. Or children or... Yeah, you have like, a lot of perspectives. Yeah. Or Ma- Masameda. Yeah, exactly. Masameda. Like, who gives a shit about Masameda? But I had a lot of pathos for him. Yeah, totally. Um, in, in these books. And so... I feel like the perspective of the fleet battles and the dogfights from the individual characters' point of view were more human than you typically see them. Yeah. And we do see individual people losing their lives or keeping them by the will of the force or luck or whatever. Um, and we feel them, you know, in a way that 
sometimes we don't and I really like that it's something I appreciate about these books I have a bunch of things I still want to talk about yeah we're way over an hour but that's fine um which do you want to talk about first do you want to talk about queer representation or do you want to talk about um the secret uh, the, the the secret that Rax was protecting Oh, good question. Because I also want to talk about Hux and Sloan. And... All right, let's start with queer representation. Okay. So we have we have the the like climax of a lot of our trilogies of you know um, interludes mm-hmm. in this book. Yes, and one of the ones we finally get is the one with Eliodi, mm-hmm. um, who's our like non-binary representation in this series. So. I don't, okay, so here's what was happening when I was reading that scene. Um, I think it's a cool concept for a character. It's cool that we have a character who doesn't have, um, you know, heteronormative pronouns. Um, but what stuck out to me was that it made me realize it's like it felt, and it, I even kind of got this a little bit with Sinjir and Condor, is like it feels like those, because there's not a lot of examples, mm-hmm. um, it feels like they are still the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not normalized. No. Right? Because we'd only have one one character who's got like Z pronouns mm-hmm. um, and everyone else is he, she. Mm-hmm. It feels like this person is a... It feels tokenized. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> like, I appreciate the effort, but because it wasn't a coordinated strike on the part of the whole like all of the books or mm-hmm. or or um or even all of the aftermath books mm-hmm. um like um same sex partner relationships we get one of each right and one of them is a minor character yeah like, like you mean um like uh the aunts the aunts yeah yeah um so i feel like it's progress but unless you have at least maybe two mm-hmm do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I totally do. And then on the other hand, uh, a bunch of theaters in the States banned Beauty and the Beast because apparently a guy danced with another guy in the background of the, of the movie. I so know. it's like... I'm not... Yes? I'm not I'm not asking... Like, like I get it. Yeah. Right? Like, like this is a victory. Like, the, bat- the battle is being fought here, right? The agenda is being pushed. And this book is still a victory. Um, but for me reading it, um, it felt like those scenes stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, less like, I feel like Condor and Sinjir, not as much. Mm -hmm. Like that felt fairly normal. Yeah. And no, and, and I, I, I really appreciate with Condor and Sinjir that nobody reacts to them in in the book. Like it's, it's nobody else makes a big deal about that. It felt fairly natural. Um, except for in book one when Jazz does make a big deal of it and yeah. it's the butt of a joke. But, I mean, I feel like book two and book three have really improved. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we, we had a lot of complaints about gender representation in book one. And by book three, I feel yeah, like... nobody he's... gets, like, mistaken for a man uh, in book three. <laughs> exactly. Like, And I feel like just the gender balance in general, like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of complaints we had about um, representation of um, women and stuff in book one. Um mm-hmm. But by book two and three, I feel like none of those problems exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just 
you know, this is, I got to do this. This is what, this is what my role is on the podcast, right? It's one of the roles that I play on the podcast. Um, is I feel like, yes, practically, this is a franchise run by Disney. Yeah. And every small victory we get is a victory to be celebrated. But for me, writing a novel, um, having, um, having these like one token examples of things mm-hmm. does feel a little strange. It doesn't feel like it fits within the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you had, you know, one really minor character, you know, one of the politicians has um, they or Z, Z pronouns. I was, I'm was i really surprised that with all the, like, aliens and other species in these Precisely. books, that they don't have more gender-neutral program, pro, but pronouns. Like it doesn't, or the droids. Yeah, it doesn't Droid. really make any sense. Exactly. So that's, yeah. why, that's why it stuck out to me, is, yeah. like, because you don't have gender-neutral droids, mm-hmm. um, you don't have, like, non-binary droid or alien characters, mm-hmm. it felt weird that you have one human character. Yeah. Um, Actually, presumably, I I didn't even yeah presumably human. I also assumed that Eliodi was, was human, yeah yeah but... yeah yeah Eliodi is definitely a human character. Like they they describe um, hair and right. Yeah, I th- I think I think I think I think I, I think, thought so too. Yeah, yeah. So good yeah. good, but but next time push it more yeah like i'm i'm just i'm just saying like i think for me what makes it um what makes what makes uh what makes it feel less forced is when you have really minor examples of it you know like we were talking about um yeah just like background characters mm-hmm. if you have that representation like, like one the of the ants or yeah like... yeah the ants actually made it feel more you know, because it wasn't the focus, like mm-hmm. you, you have some background examples as well, or like the force awakens is a good example of like, um, like sex and race diversity mm-hmm. where you have in the background, you know, you have all of these, um, characters who are, um, not men and mm-hmm. like not white. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes it feel more like yeah. a world where, where like race and sex are not issues. Yeah. Um, where I, I feel like when you have tokenized characters, um, it's a step forward, but it still doesn't feel natural in the narrative. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents about Eliodi. Fair. Um, was a good try. And also, I'm pretty sure the only non-binary character in Star Wars. So a victory there. Yeah. Right? It, the droid thing still like the super droids... weirds me out. Like it's it's so you would weird. Ass- if I was to write a fantasy universe, I think the default was that droids are non-binary. What? Like why would you give a droid a gender programming by default? Because you're human. But like a droid, like like a protocol droid, sure maybe. But yeah. like like R two. Yeah, BB eight like, and R two. Why, why would a droid like or like like mice droids or like why would a droid without a voice that had like a voice box and so they didn't sound like a human why would a droid like that be gendered by default exactly it's, you know especially uh, if you're like obi-wan in, in revenge of the sith and you don't think of droids as people yeah then why would you give them a gender yeah because humans do that anyway they fucking gender ships and well they... yeah I, w- I was thinking too like english is is an exception 
in right. languages right. where a huge proportion of languages gender every single object. Right, like French. Yeah, French, um, Spanish, like right. um, tons of languages gender objects. Strange. Um, it's it's like, yeah, English is one of the exceptions. So um, it, it, you're probably right. Like, probably we would do that. And, I think it's realistic. And yeah. when we design... Uh, I mean, we tend to design humanoid robots to look gendered also a lot of Um, people a lot of people who who own cars gender their cars yeah including me and like people i know so like um car when i did though yeah like i thought of that car as having a name and a personality in my head right yeah um so i could imagine why you would do that with a starship like the millennium falcon or a, a droid yeah um anyway i just there's a lot of interesting Mm-hmm. Well, interesting things about writing a fictional universe yeah. um, in there. And I hate, like, um, I hate that they're uh, working against so much, like, the because the franchise is inherently, like, slaved to the original trilogy, yeah. where they can't um, disregard the canon of the original movies, even they, though they can sort of work around it. And they're doing a great job yeah. of working around they're it. They're trying to work around it. Yeah. Um, but it's frustrating to, um, you know, never be able to get past that in in terms of like we know that these certain things are set in some ways, and it's uh, you know they're they're trying everything they can to um, show a, a broader, or most of them are looking at you, Gareth Edwards, um, but uh, you know it's still uh, yeah, it's true. Agreed. That was my that was my one complaint about that. It's yeah. like it's cool that you have characters, um, like it's it's cool that you have characters with like Z pronouns, but mm-hmm. it's like it's not normalized. So it it really it feels like it, yeah. Well, it feels as abnormalized as it is in the current world. It's not in world. Right. It's like. I remember I saw a lot of responses on um, Chuck Wendig's Twitter where he had to explain to people that yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. meant it was a gender-neutral pronoun. Yeah, a lot of... People were true. like, I've yeah. never heard that. Like, because it's not even they-them. Which I, I, I feel um, like they-them is, is more common. Yeah, because it's already established as a singular English yeah. like, gender-neutral pronoun. Um, even though some people argue it's not grammatical, it's been used. And that's as a, why that's why Z exists. Yeah, yeah, but it's been used as a singular gender-neutral pronoun for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, exactly. Instead of saying he or she, you just say they. Like if you don't know the gender of the person that you're talking about, like a group of people, then you would use, usually you, say you, they. You can say they. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's. As uncommon in the Star Wars universe, in the mainstream Star Wars universe, as no, like, I don't personally know anyone who uses Z pronouns, although I do know people who use they pronouns. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of like, it's not in-world representation, it's like, but it's, it, you yeah. know, like, he's not doing, like, it, it isn't in-world, because if it was in-world, there should be more, it would make way more sense, um... So it's it's kind of breaking the fourth wall in a way because it, it felt it felt like it was breaking the fourth yeah. wall where it's like if I guess if we're trying to create um, 
you know, fantasy, fantasy worlds where we have that, that kind of, um, ideal, idealistic, Mm -hmm. like diversity that we would want, Mm -hmm. then it's like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the worst parts about working in the Star Wars universe is having those constraints where you don't get to create the fantasy universe. You get to to work work with the default that somebody else created and somebody else started like 40 years ago. Um, which is so, showing its age. So. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we'll see what kind of interesting representations we will see in the Star Wars universe yeah. going forward. Yeah, and um, like a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, God, it hasn't been that long. It's only been like a year since The Force Awakens. Anyway, after The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams said that there would be an LGBT character on screen in Star Wars in some of the next movies. That's what he said. Um, I mean, I should hope so, right? You would think so. You would think so. And it, and then it's been a really depressing, like there was a bunch of, um, in case any of listeners don't follow other Disney news, the live action Beauty and the Beast came out. Yeah, it's this, an interesting yeah, case study. Yeah, it came, came out this uh, month and they tried to announce before it came out that uh, there would be a gay moment for Gaston's uh, LeFou. LeFou, goofy sidekick. Um, as a response to that, for example, Russia banned the movie. They weren't going to be, you like, they heard that, oh, there's a gay person in this movie, you can't show this movie in our country anymore. Right. Because Russia yeah. has a lot of very draconian um, anti-LGBT laws. And um, there were a bunch of like boycotts in the southern states it turns out that um, in the background of one of the final shots, he's dancing with another man. This was not a focus of the scene. It's apparently... Oh, okay. It, yeah, that, it's like that's in the inter- background. That's interesting, It's yeah. just like if, a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Huh. That this character is is dancing with a, another man. And um, the mention of the fact that there was a gay character in this movie, even though he was one of the villains, um, was enough to inspire boycotts and bans and so it's super depressed like it's yeah disney it's has depressing. disney as a big company has to think about these things yeah, yeah I guess and, so. and the fact that that like disney is in a position where they can say well tough luck like we're disney you don't want to see our movie a lot of other people are but it they have to think of overseas markets their hesitancy is economic yeah um and not political of course um which is unfortunate but it's kind of shocking that like i i feel like there's a certain amount of um sort of insular almost like i don't want to call it privilege because that's the wrong word but there is a certain like why is this a big deal i don't understand but that it that lgbt representation is still such a hot button issue in so many places in the world that um, that the kind of backlash over again, a tiny amount is so um, disproportionate. Okay. That it's it's kind of it's it's sad because you know that you're not going to get more than one in like you know you're not going to get episode nine has like. A, no. a spectrum of characters um, you with varying different types of LGBT representation, you know, and the, it, it just, it's like the mainstream media fight 
And TV much less so than movies. Like, TV is much less... Yeah, it goes, like, you know, like, movies, TV, comics, books. Yeah. Books, you have the most freedom. Mm -hmm. And, like, the movies, you have the least freedom. Yeah. It's interesting, that kind of spectrum. Yeah, so it's, it's, um, you know, it's a bummer. To say the least, you know, it's disappointing. But it's reality. It is reality. So I, I really hope that, you know, in, in eventually you get a LGBT character in Star Wars who's isn't that person danced with a person of the same sex in the background of the last scene of the movie. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because that's the kind of shit that gets, that where people want pats on the back or bands for that level. Of, I kind of want to see Beauty and the Beast now. Also, I just learned that, like, fucking Ewan McGregor is in it. I know. He's Lumiere, and he's got the worst French accent. Yeah, I need to see this movie. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. He can't do a French accent at all, and it's really weird. Yeah, I think we should see it. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, Wow, bummer. Sorry about that. About, About what? Just about being a bummer. But the, the whole thing. It's no, the, just the... We still have the, so much to talk about. We, I know. And we're already, like, way over time. I know. All right, so I have one more thing I want to talk about. Okay, I have a bunch more things I want to talk about. I guess this is just going to be a two-hour podcast, then. That's fine. Um, okay, so why don't you, you go first, then? Okay, so um, I want to talk about Rax and, yeah, like, his yeah. deal. So, obviously, you predicted um, and came to fruition that we wouldn't know why there wouldn't be any connection with Jakku and like episode seven. Yeah, of course um, not. Yeah. At least in on the Ray front. So Rax had uh Palpatine had like given him a plan to go off and take a bunch of like special Imperials and like rebuild the Empire. And there was a bunch of like resurrect Palpatine stuff. I didn't I don't you know, like, where they were talking about, like, living again. He was talking about I could live again. And, like, I didn't know if he was being metaphorical. I don't know. I don't think... Wait, what? Like, Palpatine was some of the... It sounded like some of the plant... Like, Yoop Tashu was talking about resurrecting Palpatine. And, like, oh, yeah, yeah, be... yeah. But that was, like, that was not real. That was just something yeah. that Rax had set up to fool you to shoot yeah or yeah. palpatine had and rax ended up double crossing him and uh yeah i don't think there yeah. was ever any like real chance of palpatine being resurrected yeah, fair but i thought it was interesting that the secret you know like i was i was all about the yeah i was like this secret that he's guarding that we've been building up to over the last like book and a half better be good mm-hmm. um and i feel like it was it was pretty, I thought it was pretty interesting, this mm-hmm. idea that what he'd been guarding was like a supercomputer that had been charting safe routes through to the outer regions. Yeah, like a contingency plan to escape. So it wasn't like, I think that was better than it being like a Sith artifact mm-hmm. or, or like, I don't know, something like a Snoke in a tube. Yeah. You know, like, I, yeah. feel, I feel like it was better than that because it like gives you a lot Instead of, like, giving you a plot point, it gives you, like, potential future plot points. Yeah. And they also had um, Palpatine's ship. Yeah. Which we... Palpatine's shiny chrome ship. Which we know that Phasma eventually makes her armor out of. 
in Lando stole in the comics. But apparently there's a bunch of these ships and they all look the same. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Gallius Rax. The Imperialis, like, he made a bunch of them. Right. Apparently. Makes sense. So he is going to, um, you know, do this, but uh, he sends sends, um, Hux, um, Brendel Hux. um, Fucking Brendel Hux. Fucking Brendel Hux. Uh, off with the like feral legion of stormtrooper children, yeah, um, to go off to rendezvous with the other secret imperial remnants and start a new empire. And uh, instead, Raceland kills him and takes over. Um, like, goes to the ship and meets Brendel Hux and the stormtrooper children and Armitage Hux and takes over as Grand Admiral. I thought I really liked that wrap mm-hmm. up yeah and then she uh and then at one point Rax puts like what six-year-old Hux in charge or yeah how old would you say he was six seven he was a little kid it's more like eight or ten I don't know yeah but he couldn't be that old because he was only like five in the previous right. book he's eight he's a little kid it's been like a year since okay. the empire fell yeah uh, and he puts him in charge of the stormtrooper children, um, at like a super young age, and then uh, Ray Sloan beats the shit out of Brendel Hux to get him to. Yeah, it was a cool point it, in the story. It was a satisfying ending because Brendel Hux was like the worst. Yeah, and she tells him that if he fucks with her or his son, she'll kill him. So don't talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> yeah, she's like he's my son now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like the, and then she basically, uh, you know, confirms like she uses the words first order, which was pretty funny. But it's like the end of the you book. Have, she's you have like, to. she's like, this is our first order. We're going to restore the empire, my empire. <laughs> so it was like, Ray Sloan architect of the first order yeah and definitely her son armitage hux um, beautiful so i like that rax supported her too rax was like uh, he's like admitted defeat and yeah. he's like you know what you can do it you'll probably do a better job than me yeah she's like mm, true <laughs> and there was also a scene where grand moff rand was like damn it this should have been race loan she would have been better at this yeah, I like that too. I think I'm just going to go to an escape pod. <laughs> it's like, yeah, totally. she would have been good at this, but I'm not. And so she she had a comeback. I kind of, in the previous books, I kind of expected like a redemption arc where she would like, not join the rebels, but like. No. But no. This is better. No, she's loyal to the end. But not to the emperor to the empire she says that specifically the ideal at, of the empire yeah she says that specifically at one point yeah it was interesting so i like to imagine she had a lot of that's why the first order is slightly more i don't know better in certain ways yeah that's what she says she says she wants to build a better empire i mean it's still super fucked up and like by the time we see it it's a fascist regime but yeah also they, they build a giant planet killing but you know maybe maybe that was before ray sloan had 
input. Yeah. At least the cheek made sure the working conditions were good and everyone has light like hyperdrives. It's true. In their and shields in their true. TIE fighters. It's true. Yeah. So you She's know like we have to respect our TIE fighter pilots. That's right. Every all the employees get more respect in dental plans and Yeah, she was like, I was really lonely when I was in the Empire, so now everybody's gonna be assigned a buddy. <laughs> And the TIE Fighters are going to seat two. Buddy system confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what else? That was most of it. That's all I've got. Okay. I think that's pretty much all the stuff to discuss. Yeah, so what did you think overall? Aftermath book three. Um, I thought it was the best of the I thought it was easily the best of the Aftermath books. But like in order to get there, you have to get through the first two. Yeah. Um, They get progressively better. Agreed, yeah. So I thought it was good. Um, would you read more books by Chuck Wendig in the Star Wars universe? Yes. I would too. I have very little... I, I don't have much interest in his other books. No. Because he likes a lot of gross-out gore stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely read more of his Star Wars books if he wrote more Star Wars. I would too. And I would good love job. to see... I'd love to see some of these characters come back in other things. Yeah, that'd be really like, cool. Like, I'd like to see Nora. I'd like, we'd like to see more. I'd love to see more Sinjir. Yeah, I'd love that too. Um, uh, like, Sinjir and Condor would be a fun thing. I want to see, you know, Jazz and Embo and Dengar. That would be a funny, like, one-shot comic or something. Yeah, there's a lot of potential. Um, yeah. Made me really, it made me appreciate Snap Wexley more. He's a brat throughout the whole thing, but you can see... He gets better. Yeah, he gets better. Um, and yeah, Mr. Bones, good times. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of cute bullshit in all these books. A lot of cute stuff. So, pretty good. Too many characters to keep track of. Too many rando minor characters that I kept forgetting. But, in the interludes, yeah. Yeah, in the interludes. The interludes were interesting, but I feel like I could have done without most of them. Mm-hmm. Especially because none of them impacted the larger story. Except for the Masamita one. Yes. Which actually kind of did. The Masamita one did. And right. even the Acolytes of the Beyond one kind of came around in... Yeah, because Yoop to Choo. With Yoop to Choo's whole yeah. thing at the end. Yeah, so true. I would have liked to see more of them impact the story at the end. Yeah. That would have been cool. Did but... you notice the part where the... um? corrupt politician Wardle had a conja club blaster? No. Yeah, he had a conja made blaster. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I was like, well, links to organized crime. Kanja club is already operating. Already giving you blasters when no one else would. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other one. Oh. That was, um, Balotick was telling Kanja club. When no one when else, no one else would. would. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, can we are we gonna wrap it up here? Do you yeah. want to give it a rating? Um, I would give it a four. I think I give it a four. Yeah. Same with the cutie rating. I think I yeah. give it a four. It's cute and yeah, it's worth reading if you're into the Star Wars canon. I'd do it. Mm-hmm. Four out of five. Especially, can uh, like I I was telling you guys last week that I bought a copy of Heir to the Jedi and I started reading it and I was like oh my god we started with the best Star Wars writers and they've been progressively like freaking 
a John Jackson Miller and this Kevin guy who did Heir to the Jedi. Like his name is just Kevin. I can't remember what his last name is. Kevin. Devin and John, you know, and I love it. We were like, jeez, mm, like you're making Chuck Wendig look like Ernest Hemingway here. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, tune in next week for our very special anniversary episode. Yeah. One, one year anniversary episode. If you yeah, like to find more stuff fun. about Star Wars we'll from me fun. and Jamie, cool. For you sure. can check out our website at imperialhearts.com. Right. It was a good week. Or tweet at us Nobody at died. imperial so underscore hearts. And Mr. Bones. The music oh. used in this podcast oh, is clips Bye. from the song Breakfast with Tiffany by Brooke for free. Thank you for listening to the Imperial Hearts podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.